Welcome to the RLT Pivot Podcast, where each week we discuss a trading topic in a way that will provide encouragement, inspire growth, vanquish fears, offer solutions, and take you to the next level in your trading journey. So get ready as we dive in right now. Welcome to another Pivot Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Tracy. I'm one of your co-hosts, and I am so happy to be joined once again with my amazing co-host, Mr. Dan Jensen. How are you, sir? Doing good, Tracy. Appreciate it. Super excited for our guest today. We got we got uh, incredible trader Chris Tate on the show all the way from Australia. So uh, pleasure to have you here. Welcome. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. Um, now, one of the things that I've heard you say before that has, it, it actually stopped me in my tracks and made me think. And, and that was, um, that all traders start out as unprofitable traders. And I never really even looked at that before that way. Can you elaborate a little bit more on what you were talking about? And we, we all start. What, one of the things I think that catches people out is that. There's a failure to understand we all start from the same starting point as traders. We are basically, we're consumed with sort of maximum inertia. We're not going anywhere. And we all have, to, to a greater or lesser extent, the same failings, the same idiosyncrasies, the same stupidities. And profitable traders overcome those through time and through work and through effort. The worst thing that can happen to a trader, I think, is to be immediately profitable because that reinforces and builds in the wrong lessons. It convinces people that they know more than they do, that they're better than they are. The best traders I've come across are those who ground their way forward. And trading is a grind. I, th I think the great disservice a lot of people do to the market or to do to traders, is that they presented it as, as this sort of glamorous thing that, you know, you'll be buying this, selling that, covering this, you'll be picking up the phone, yelling at your broker, you wander outside, you'll plug your phone into the Ferrari, you'll be yelling at the broker on the way to your yacht. No, you'll be sitting there going, run scan, bang. Now what do I do? Okay. Oh, it's finished. Okay. Uh, now I've got a short list. Okay, what are the rules for the short list? Yeah, I'm going to buy that one. I bought, I bought that one. Now what do I do? There's nothing really to do. I can't really convince it to go up, can I? I can sit and watch it and cheerlead it for a while, but then I get bored. It is... Traders move from unprofitable to profitable by understanding the grind, that it is a grind. You grind it out. I will grant it, it is it is far better than working for a living. In many ways, it is far better than lecturing to uh, biology one hundred and one students at a university. It, it, it's it is well beyond that, but it's still a grind. You still you're a production line. You produce money, and once you understand the grind, and again, one of those sources of friction we spoke about disappears, and so it just becomes a little bit simpler. But we all start off as unprofitable. We're all rubbish. We're all beginners. It's like if you go to take a language class, which a lot of people, you know, took up during our various lockdowns in various countries. Everybody would have started that class 
knowing probably one or two vague phrases that they probably were saying incorrectly anyway. And once you accept that you don't know anything and that you're a beginner and that you suck and you really do have to embrace the suck, then you get better. And, and males fail at that because males have an ego. We, we like to be seen as very good at everything instantly. And if we're not natively very good at everything instantly, we either give up or to be blunt, we bullshit about it to our friends about how good we actually think we are. There's, I love it. There's a little bit of that where you mentioned somebody could hit a big trade or get lucky or whatever the case. Uh, I know there's a lot of people that will hit a certain trade. For for an example, I have uh, a friend. He's not a trader. He knows the markets. He he does understand, but he's not he's not a day trader. But for instance, he hit like 1.2 million in January of this year from GameStop, right? Which yep. there's a lot of people that hit the GameStop trade, the AMC yeah. trades, the, they've been in Tesla, things like that. Yeah. And what typically happens is they'll keep their money in the account. They won't. They're like they just have the thought process of well now I'll just double this, right? Um, so I, t- I tell them take take money out, do something, get an asset, get something that's going to appreciate. And uh, the answer is no. Why? Why is it so hard for people to say, "I was given a gift, and it's it's yeah. I, I need I, to do something to prosper with it." I think you can sort of find the answer in the work that's been done with lottery winners. When you look at lottery winners, by and large, if you revisit them down the track, they're either miserable and broke, or they're miserable and broke. There is this we, we struggle to understand the role of luck in what we do. Uh, I I know a lot of people who ascribe their success to their own brilliance. Now, from, you know, where I come from, these are generally people who went to the best schools. They went to the best universities. They got their first job because their father rang somebody up and said, look, I know my son's a functional moron, but he did go to very good schools. Can you give him a job? Now, these sort of people ascribe everything that they achieve to themselves. They don't realise the role of luck. Now, I realise that I have been the recipient of an enormous amount of luck in my life. And it is, it's akin to that old saying of, it's better to be born lucky than smart. And it's true. And I think the point you're alluding to is people don't understand the role of luck. They think that when they've hit something like GameStop, they've pocketed seven figures that that is something they've done, something intrinsic to them that is reflective of their genius. They then think, well, clearly I'm a genius, so I'll just do it again, other than simply going, well, hell, I managed to get the right six lottery numbers. I'm not entirely certain I can do that again. And as you say, they, they fail to take any form of let's say preventative maintenance, where they go away and go, well, what am I going to do with this? All right, let's, let's buy something that is some form of asset, something I can't screw up. Let, let, let's go and buy an apartment complex somewhere. doesn't yield me much, but I'll get capital growth, I'll get a yield, and I can't on a whim sell it. So I, I can't look at it and go, I'm a bit bored with that, I'll just sell it and buy something else you're forced into that matrix of 
building assets. And, and wealth creation comes about from asset building over time because you move from this notion of one of the things about trading is trading is a cash burn endeavor. You generate a lot of cash at times, but it's still only cash. And cash, unfortunately, has its own problems, uh, particularly uh, sort of at present, now that we're getting talk of an increase in inflation, it will just begin ever so slowly to erode in value over time. It's not doing anything for you. You're not going to look at it in 10 years' time and go, God, I hadn't noticed that. Look what that's done. And it does it of its own accord. Cash just sits there and the temptation is to spend it. You've got, as a, as a trader, I think it's incumbent upon you to realise that you're actually in a business. The business has must have some value outside of your capacity to generate cash. And that value comes from some form of asset accumulation in some way, shape or form. Something that sits there that you don't poke and prod and play with and get bored with. Because whilst I'm not a real estate investor by any stretch of the imagination, the good thing about real estate is it's full of friction. You can't on a whim sell things. It's a long drawn out process. You can't on a whim sell one room of the house. You've got to sell the entire thing. And it forces a different mindset upon traders, but it forces that business asset accumulation mindset. It forces you to think, look, I don't want to say like a grown-up, but it forces you to think like a business person, someone who's going, I've got this business empire and I'm building these things, not just moving numbers around scrapes. That is such a great point. I really like that. I'm going to have to stew on that for a little bit. Now, We've been talking a little bit about, you know, luck and these people that are, you know, they'll, they'll hit the lottery the right way. And we're talking about the stock market like the AMC trades. Now, the beginning of COVID, we had that big, huge dip in the markets. And that's where a lot of individuals kind of jumped into the trading game. And pretty much anyone that could throw a stone at, a, at the stock market could make money at it. And yes. I have seen a lot of individuals that have been trading since about then that are experiencing a little bit in some pullbacks, they're losing, they're, they're, they thought that they were great because they did exactly that. They didn't recognize that perhaps it was luck that, that played in the game. So they just continued to do whatever they were doing without any proper risk management or knowledge. And, and now they're quitting. Now they're dropping out. Now they're getting angry. Now they're, they're whatever. So I have kind of two part questions. So the first part question is what advice would you give to them right now, as far as kind of rebalancing themselves and starting if they want to actually stay in this game? The, the first part is one of the things you need to know about markets is that the market will be there forever and it will be there when you are ready. I think what happens to people is that because there are so many invocations to trade, so, so many <clears throat> sort of prompts nowadays to trade, that people think they must trade now. Because if they don't trade now and buy this particular stock, what will happen is this particular stock that they were going to buy will go from $1 to a $1 million by Friday, and then they'll shut the market and they'll have missed that chance. The market will be there forever. There is a, there's a thing in yoga which is known, all of yoga is built around a pause. That is, is this notion that you extend out time in the pose you're in. 
So you just stop. And traders benefit enormously. No, let me rephrase that. All human beings benefit from building a pause into everything they do. The world would be a better place if people just went, what I might do is just shut up for a moment, sit still and watch. Because I, I note my behaviour and I, one of the things about lockdown that we've had here in Victoria, we had 200 and God knows how many days, was you got out, got out of the habit of driving because you were confined to a 5K limit and you could only go out to shop, go to the doctor, go to work. That was it. Much like most other places in the world. Now people have returned to the road and I'm out driving thinking, if you don't move, I'm going to get out of my truck and I'm going to belt you in the back of the head. Now move. Now I might just take a deep breath, sit for a moment. Oh, I feel better. Okay, now we're good. Traders are the same. Pause, stop, and actually admit that you don't actually know what the hell you're doing. If you've hit a meme stock really hard and gotten lucky, you don't know what you're doing. But the first step is to admit you don't know what you're doing. And from that acknowledgement comes some potential for growth. But a lot of people can't grow because we always act with this notion of ego defensiveness. I must defend my ego. And we spoke about it before. The last thing males want to do is go, I've got no idea. How do I do this? Where am I going wrong? And so the first step is to pause and admit that you're making a mistake. You don't know what you're doing. And to accept that the market will be there forever. One of the tricks I play on people is when they get into this hyper-frenzy sort of state where they think that the market's going to suddenly shut or there'll be no more opportunities. I've got a deep database of prices for all sorts of instruments that goes back as long as they go back. I'll cut the time scale off the bottom and say, do you think you could trade this? And they'll go, yeah, I think I could. Looks exactly like Bitcoin. Yeah, no, it's not. It's the South Sea bubble from 300 years ago. You notice the congestion, the explosive breakout? Just the same. Oh, here's the price of Ford from 1941. Do you think you could trade that? That's 80 years ago. The markets repeat. They're not going to shut the market just because you're not paying attention. You're not that important. That's a great point. And my, so my second part to this question is you've got the traders that have come in. They don't know anything. They haven't put any time into this. They're just making money by throwing rocks at the market and they're getting lucky. Then you've got the other individuals and I'll even include myself in that, that have I've been working very hard at this. I have put a lot of time into it. I'm, I am consistently profitable, but I I've practiced. I know what I'm doing and I don't have luck. I miss on the AMC trades. I miss the bubbles here and there, and I don't get those, but I I get somewhat aggravated by all the gloating of individuals that are making millions of dollars yeah, through yeah. accident. How do, or what advice do you have for people like myself who are struggling with that mental battle, I guess, going on? Yeah, I just punch them in the head. <laughs> If it doesn't work, you punch them harder. Just punch them harder. <laughs> Look, that, that is, there, there will always be, this is, there is an expression, thief of joy. 
constant comparison to others is a thief of joy. In that there will always be someone doing better. There will always be someone doing worse. Now, the thing that you can look, this sounds somewhat churlish. The thing you can console yourself with for people who rely upon luck is that will eventually run out and they will play double or nothing on the wrong stock. It's a little bit like playing Russian roulette. You can be lucky for a small amount of time and think it's down to your genius of spinning the chamber. It's not. It's luck. Sooner or later, you'll get it wrong and you'll blow your own head off. Their luck will run out. But if you continue to consistently play your game, then eventually what you perceive to be luck will come your way. And again, it's only a perception of luck. Because the thing I would do, the, the challenge I would give you, is to go back with your methodology and sit there and look at things like the meme stocks and go, well, why did I miss? What did I miss? And there may be a subtle thing in there that's just tripping you up, whereby you think, well, and, and I see this all the time with traders where they will see a breakout, let's pick a number, at one. They miss the breakout, price goes to 150, and they think, I've missed it. Bloody hell. Oh, well, move on. What they fail to see is the breakout there from 150 to 10. And because they have the perception of value where they've gone, well, I saw it at one, but I didn't take it. Then I went 150. It's 50% more expensive. I definitely can't buy it now. And then it runs away from them. And they get into this sort of process of self-recrimination, they begin to beat themselves up about the mistakes they've made. Yes, look, it, it is a mistake, but it is not a fatal mistake. It is not a permanent mistake unless you make it a permanent mistake. One of the things that is important, I think, is post-morteming these events and going back and going, well, what, what did I see but also, more importantly, what did I not see? What, what threw me out of kilter? Now, it may be that certain personalities are not set up to trade certain instruments in certain ways. That does not mean you can't be successful trading other instruments in other ways. Uh, we have <clears throat> in our mentor program someone who is exceptionally good at position trading. So what they will do is spot a stock, so you can pick the number one, at one, and they will build a position as that stock churns its way through 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35. And whilst everybody else is jumping around uh, all over the place, they're just building this position so that in five years later when they come back and you talk to them and you go, so how would you go? And they go, well, oh, look, it wasn't bad. I pulled out 560R from the trade. Now, let's put it in the context. If R is $1,000, they pulled 560000 out of the trade. And you go, okay, what would you do? Well, really not a lot. I just sat there. And yet the people who've been jumping around all the bottom, along the bottom for that period of five years have entertained themselves and they've made a bit, lost a bit, made a bit, lost a bit, and been entertained but they have not, and we come back to Dan's point, they have not built a massive asset. And so my suggestion is always go back and look at what your game is 
because everyone has a different game in markets. My game is very different from Louise, my business partner, who you spoke to what last week, week before last. We play different games, but we've worked out what our game is. And I think part of the issue is, particularly with social media, social media is, I feel sorry for the current generation of traders because social media is, to be blunt again, full of bullshit. It just is. It's full of people who are pretending to drive Ferraris they don't own, buy vastly expensive watches. They're just looking at at a jewellery store saying, well, you know, made another 1,000% this month. No, you didn't. But even though people know that's not true, it still seems to weave its way into people's psyche, thinking, I should be doing this, I should be doing that. Uh, you know, like, why aren't I making more? And again, it's because you need to work out what your game is. And if there's a failing in your game, you'll find it or someone else will point it out to you. But it might just not be your game. Your game <laughs> might be, look at it this way, perfect comparison. There are two master investor traders that we've had for a generation. One is Jim Simons, Renaissance Technology, PhD mathematician, quantitative investor, even has an equation named after him vastly successful, staggering rate of return from his hedge fund. Warren Buffett, very, very different. Value investor, deep time investor. They both have a different game. They are both worth more money than God. They found their game and they played it. I think you, you're spot on as far as kind of how social media plays into I mean, not just trading, but society in general, where I think we're, we're constantly, we have the feeling of catching up to oftentimes goals that are not even accurate or, or true. But that also goes into, I think there's a big difference between being rich and being wealthy, right? So a, a lot of, a lot of what you see on social media, the post, it's usually somebody showing off some kind of new car or boat or yeah. doing a vacation or whatever, whatever the case. But that mindset, when people start trading, I think that's the aspect of um, I, I need to be rich today, right? I, I think it's yeah, you, it, you, I'm trying to make the money today. Where if you have your plan that people are following, that they're able to just kind of stick the book and say, "All right, if I follow this plan and I have a million dollars in five years from now, why do I need a million dollars today?" Right. It, yeah. It's and then they they're forcing themselves to to get back to that point of greed where they're just taking on trades that they're over leveraged, overexposed. They're they're just holding too long, not taking profits, not putting stops in because everything comes back eventually. So I, I think that's the the mindset that I from what I see, a lot of people are are kind of coming in with the wrong the wrong attitude toward what oh, this okay. could be. Look, I'll, I'll use an analogy. When, when, when I first started working out 8,000 years ago, it was accepted that to change your physique would take about a year if you were going to be a physique competitor. It just would. The last time I was in a commercial gym, they were flogging eight-week programs, and it's this compression of time frame. And I feel sorry for people nowadays because young people will open one of the social media platforms, and they'll see someone who is perfectly lit, perfectly shot, had hundreds of photos taken that day and gone, that's the perfect one, and it will be captioned, just got out of bed. 
No, you didn't. You're in the middle of a professional photo shoot, and that's one of a thousand photos. And people will compare themselves to that and go, I look like rubbish getting out of bed. Like I just I look like an explosion in a cat factory. And so it, it affects people in all sorts of ways. And it creates, as you say, Dan, this short-termism, this I, I must do it now because if I haven't done it by 5 p.m. this afternoon, I'm clearly a failure. And that's not the way the world works. There's, we come back to the old hackneyed expression of it took me 20 years to be an overnight success. And it, well, I, I used to play this game with people probably 20 years ago now, and I'd say, how long do you think Microsoft's been around? I, I would do it with um, then teenagers. And they would go, oh, probably two or three years. No, you're 25 years out, sport. No, it can't be. Surely he just started and now he's wealthy. Isn't that the way it works? No, it's it's not the way it works. Look, some people get lucky. Some people win the lottery. Some people get hit by lightning twice. But, you know, it, it, luck is an odd thing. And, we, we, we again, we fail to understand it. Some people just get lucky. You just deal with it, move on. Well, Chris, I am so thankful that you took the time to join us. I am very happy that you were here. I have learned a lot just listening to you. And I'm sure that if I've learned a lot, that our listeners are also getting a lot of value from what you've had to say today. That's so uh, again, I thank you very much. And I hope that in the future, we'll get a chance to talk to you again. But we are out of time. Not and uh, I'm going to let uh, I'm going to let Dan take this home. Yeah, appreciate you. Appreciate you coming on to see the Pivot Podcast. Uh, before before we uh, do a little send off, is there in case somebody's listening wants to get in touch with you? What's the best way for them to to reach out or find out more about you or, or your programs? Best ways to reach out is uh, simply come to tradinggame.com.au. You'll find me there. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, Tracy, awesome co-hosting with you again. And uh, for all you listeners out there, if you want to click into the links below, we'll, we will put a link to uh, Chris Tate's site. Also, you can catch Real Life Trading on Twitter, Facebook, and you can check out reallifetrading.com for all of the free education and content. And we will see all you guys next week. Thank you, guys. Fuck.